to open up with two verses for us today, just two verses, where the Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and yet doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Let's just pray. Father, I ask you to help us today that the word of God would be somewhat enriched in our hearts and our minds. We ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you come to this passage here, it's a great, it's a great couple of verses. And remember, keep in mind that 1 John is written particularly to the believer. Um, that's why John is writing it like most of the other parts of the Bible. But John is, John is peculiar in its sense that when you got saved, that you and Christ are made perfect in him. There's nothing I can do to atone my own life or fix anything in my life. It was very much the fact that receiving Jesus Christ gave God the sovereign work that he can do in our lives and salvation is that. When we get saved as believers, John points out something here that is key where he says, he says in verse 1, we should be called the sons of God. And he goes on, he says, therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. I want to make you realise that the world knoweth him not. Right at the moment you have a situation in the Middle East where Israel or the Jews are on the wrong side of their Messiah and they've been on the wrong side of him since the early part, as we know, 2,000 years ago. There's a time now in this period of time, I believe, that there's a term that's not mentioned. I don't hear it as much as I used to. And this was the term, get right with God. It's a term that's not used anymore. And I feel it's a term that needs to be brought back into our psyche because when Israel were right with God, when they went into the promised land to take it back, as Mike said, there was no such thing as citizenship for those who had occupied it, amen. They went and took it out. They took them out, they removed them. There's a thing that we got to realise that Christianity is not always right with God. Can I get an amen out of that? They are not always right with God. Yes, oh, well, I'm saved. Well, you might be, but that doesn't mean you're right with God, okay? And this is why John is writing to us because he's saying to us, he's saying, listen, the world knew him not. So therefore... It's very intingent on our hearts and our minds not to get caught up with the practical work which is the system of the world which, by the way, is not found in the New Testament system at all. So what I mean is that people read the Bible, can I use a bad word here, they read it wrong, <laughs> okay? They not, not read it correctly. The Bible does not teach the world system. It's not found in the Bible all this thing where we have practical work and whatever. I hear, um, I hear a lot of building programs going on and all this sort of thing. And what for, amen? Because when you got saved, it was Christ's work, not ours. Can I get an amen? That's what the Bible teaches, it doesn't teach us other thing. So I want to get into this here and remember as I'm, as I'm speaking here that the world system that's creeped into the church who know not God 
is not the one we need to follow. It is we need to follow the very fact we do know him and there is a work that God shows us clearly here in the Bible. I'm going to go over to Luke chapter 10. Come over to Luke chapter 10 with me now. Most of you probably know the story of Martha and Mary. They were friends of Jesus and I want to I want to pick up some a lesson here, um, excuse me, a biblical lesson that hopefully can help you because there is a difference with being saved and knowing him. And knowing the Lord can have a lot to do with how we think or what we do or what we practice. And here we have the story of Martha and Mary, and I'm sure most of you know, so women... This is not necessarily a message to you ladies because the two main characters are Martha and Mary, amen? (laughs) Okay. But however, there is a truth here with Martha and Mary. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. It's Martha's house. Jesus is a friend And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So Mary's disposition was one to sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear his word. If you sit at someone's feet, it shows a sign of your will. And she submitted her will to Christ by sitting at his feet to hear his word. Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, as you know, said he sat under the the feet of Gamil, I think it is, the Pharisee. So before Saul was saved on the road to Damascus, he was a Pharisee, but he had sat at the feet of this man who taught him how to be a Pharisee, where he was straightest in that sect. But here the situation is that you've got Martha and you have Mary. And Mary's known for sitting here. Verse 40, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. So Martha here is maybe heavy laden, maybe she's burdened, whatever the case is, and came to him and said, Lord... Thus thou not care that my sister have left me to serve alone. Bid her therefore that she help me. Now I want you to see something here at the moment. Martha is on the wrong side of the Lord here. I want you to see that. She's on the wrong side of him. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. And of course Jesus does care for him. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary have chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So the difference here, you have a woman that is sitting at the feet of Jesus, a submission of her will to him. Her ears are open to hear the word from him. Martha, on the other hand, is a dictator. Lord, help me. (laughs) How many dictators do we have here? (laughs) They're on the wrong side of the Lord. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) And she is now demanding Jesus... And I think it's funny, she's actually accusing him as well. Careth not. Uh, Well, you know, Martha, that's not true. But Mary did choose something here that we need to understand in the Christian life. To get on the right side of God, it's going to take the submission of our will to his. Remember something about Jesus Christ. He didn't come to do his own will. He said... I do those things which the Father showeth me. He is the perfect example of of someone who came to do the will of God and that's what he did. 
which led him to the cross, as we know. So here's Martha, and she's a cumbered about, and she's angry with the Lord, and she is mad at her sister because her sister has chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ. By the way, by the way, that's the world's doctrine because the world's doctrine will say to you, what are you doing wasting your time with this person called Jesus Christ? What are you doing wasting your time with the word of God? Amen. Because I want you to understand they do not know God unless they get saved. Amen. And I think we need to keep this in a clarity because the clarity is I want to be right with God. I know we talk about him coming back, but hey, I want to be found right with him when he does come, amen? Because that's the whole idea. Let's come over to John 11. Most of you know this is the passage now still dealing with Martha and Mary. I'll pick it up in verse 1. Pick this up in verse 1 and I'll just go over here to get this verse if I can find it. it? And I'll read you the passage here. This is where now we're dealing with Lazarus. We're not far from Calvary, you could say, at this period of time of the earthly ministry. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, And her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The mention there of Mary, which I'll come to, was the fact that she did hear the word of the Lord when she sat at his feet. That is why she anointed the body of the Lord before he was crucified. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Have you ever, have you ever just prayed and you know the Lord heard you But nothing happened. This is what's happening here. They sent a message. I'll give you a, I'll give you a verse in First John to keep in mind this because this will help you to know God, to walk with him. The Bible says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. There's a confidence in God that you know he heard you. But that doesn't mean that he's, that doesn't mean the outcome might be what we expect. Sometimes it is. But here they sent a, they sent a letter. It's interesting, they knew where he was. <laughs> Amen, they sent a letter. They knew where to find him, so they sent a letter. By the way, they weren't that far from him, by the way. I think it was only, I think it's the Sabbath journey from Bethany to Jerusalem or the other way around, wherever it was. Now, Jesus loved Martha, verse 5, and her sister and Lazarus. And he heard, therefore, that he was sick, and he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So there Jesus shows that he loved them. Then after that, save he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee. And goest thou thither again? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we got to go through this again. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth, not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the, in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said the disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Now be it Jesus spake of his death, 
They sought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto him the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Maybe Thomas really was willing to die with Christ. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. You got to understand, Mary and Martha are going through grief right now, amen? Lazarus is dead, they're grieving. And they, verse 19, they comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary, what's the next word, everyone? But Mary sat still. I'm going to bring you a message called Stay Still. Martha is a runner. What do you mean? She heard that Jesus was coming. She ran unto him. Yet Mary sat still. Let's read it on. And then said Martha unto the Lord, If thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Well, don't you think the Lord knew that? <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever gone through a problem and you start telling God what's happened? <laughs> don't you think the Lord knows what has happened? <laughs> After all, he is the Lord. The eyes of the all go to and fro throughout the earth, beholding the evil and the good, whatever which way that verse is. But, you know, we, we run to the Lord and we got a burden and we're going to say, Lord, listen, my brother is dead. And by the way, Lord, it's your fault. That's Mary. She's a runner. A lot of Christians in life, you will become a runner. You don't know how to deal with disappointments or whatever the case might be. You'll become a runner. And being a runner is not a good thing. In God's economy, but Mary sat still. So let's read on to get a focus here of the two. One's running, one... And she says, Martha says, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died, as there was one lady said, there's no such things as if with God, because there was a young lady I was reading about in the Second World War, where a, where a bomb came through the window and she ran down to her mother and said, Mother, if I hadn't been in my, if I hadn't, if I'd been in my room, I would have been killed. And, and she said, No, there's no such things as if with God. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou will ask of God, God will give it thee. So it's not that Martha doesn't have faith. It's just a little bit misguided at the moment. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. So now Martha is someone who's encumbered about with care. She's full of burdens. She doesn't know how to handle the situation. She's run to the Lord. Her sister's opposite. She's sitting still. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So Martha's head is full of, let's just say, last day doctrine, okay? Her head is full of it. And that's okay. Don't get me wrong here, but that's where she's at. So she knows that. But watch what happens. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. Though he were dead, yet he shall live, yet shall he live. Jesus is not telling her that it's going to be a last day thing. It's going to be now. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. 
So God is trying to say to Martha, believest thou this? Do you believe what I just said to you? <laughs> okay? That's the problem. So Jesus spoke to her and says, well, do you believe it? Do you believe that I am the resurrection? Do you believe that I'm going to raise up your brother Lazarus? Well, of course, we know the story, amen, so we can look back. But here, and then notice verse 27, and I love, I love her response. She said unto him, yea, Lord. <laughs> like, what's the big deal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lord. Guess what? Didn't even hear him. Didn't even enter into her what Jesus was saying to her. She couldn't hear him and brushes it off, the resurrection, like it's almost nothing. <laughs> and, she, and she says, yeah, Lord. You know, that's not a good place to be, really. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, the master has come and calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came unto him. Now we know Mary was grieved as well. And she said the same thing to the Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. The difference with Mary was that she responded not to her emotions, not to her feelings, but she responded when she knew the Lord wanted her. That's the difference. We can respond on how we feel about something. That's not the way to do it. Wait and be patient. The other day, the other day, um, I will, um, I'll often just get my Bible and I'll probably sit maybe on the patio or somewhere and I'll just sit there quietly and I don't think of anything because the Bible says, take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the, tomorrow shall be the thought of the things of itself, sufficient unto the evil thereof. In other words, Jesus said, don't take any thought for tomorrow. Things are bad enough. There's sufficient evil for tomorrow. So sometimes I like to just sit down and, and I'll just got my Bible. Sometimes I'll walk and I'll just say, Lord, I'll not think of anything. I say, Lord, would you walk with me? I'm not thinking of anything. I'll walk and exercise. It's a good exercise. It's a good exercise for the soul. And as I'm walking, every now and again, the Lord might say something to me or I get a thought in my mind and I can come back refreshed. So the other day I, I had a little purchase that I've been waiting on for the audio thing and there's a little app on the phone and it's, uh, it tells you it's pro progress. You ever looked at that? You know, you bought something and it's coming, <laughs> you know, and I looked at it and said, it's not coming. <laughs> it's my, my purchase. And, but then I sat down after looking at that app, just thinking about it, it's not coming. And as I was sitting there, I can't explain exactly, and the Lord said to me in a very vertical way, and I can't really, kind of unusual to me in a way because it was, he said, I have redeemed you. Now, I know what the word redeem means, and I, I thought, well, to redeem means to purchase. And I thought, you know, Lord, I'm not a very good purchase. I know myself. You purchase me, you sort of means to buy you. Redemption means that you've been bought with a price. So the Lord said to me, I have redeemed you. The Holy Spirit will only bear witness to the redemption that you have inside as a Christian. 
and you've been redeemed, I've been bought. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, this is not a good purchase because I know me. I wouldn't buy me. <laughs> Amen. Think about it. Would you really think that you're a great purchase for the Lord? Amen. <laughs> do you think really you, do you really think who gets the better end of the deal here? Not the Lord. Amen. <laughs> but I was thinking about that. I've been redeemed. He said, I have redeemed you. Personal. Read Isaiah 43. He said, I know thee by name. Read the verses that God knows you by name. You are his. And he's going to come back and he'll get us because we are. We have been purchased. We're one of his. And I was sitting there thinking quite uncomfortably about this whole scenario because I had never, the Lord had never said anything like that to me in this manner. And I'm going, this is uncomfortable to me. I know it doctrinally. And then the Lord reminded me of the purchase. And what was, I, what was I doing when I looked at the app? I was waiting for what? The purchase to what? Come to me. You know what the Lord was saying? I have redeemed you, but when are you going to come to me? See, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. She came to him. The, there's a couple of invitations in the Bible. One of them is in Matthew 11, 21. He's, excuse me, 11, 28. The Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labour and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Out of the two sisters, which one was the most laden? Martha or Mary. Martha, she was burdened, she couldn't hear the Lord, she came and found her sister who sat still in the house and then Mary comes. Now the rest of the story we know that Martha does see Lazarus being resurrected from the dead. And we won't read through that. But I want you to remember what Jesus had told her, I am the resurrection. Think about it this way. He is the resurrection. Because of that, you've been justified, purchased. You are not your own. You belong to Jesus Christ. And our problem is that we're always on the wrong side of God because we don't submit our will to him and just come to him, we are always making demands under him. Can I get an amen? When you're making demands to the Lord all the time, you're on the wrong side of the Lord because he is God. He is God. He didn't stop the women after the resurrection who fell down at his feet and grabbed his ankles and worshipped him. He didn't stop them because God, only God can be worshipped, amen. We know Satan is the opposite. You know, the, the term worship in the New Testament is found more in one chapter, and I think it's either Revelation or 13 or 18 dealing with the devil. Satan wanted Jesus to bow down and worship him and he would give Jesus the kingdoms of this world and the Lord said, no, my father will give them to me in his time. Worship, it belongs to God. And when we submit our will to him, we are now in a place where we're saying, Lord, I'm going to honour you. I'm going to worship you. I am not my own. You have redeemed me, but it's now up to me not to take this purchase possession that belongs to you now, Lord. I need to come to him. Now, here's the hard bit, everyone. Have you ever just tried 
to stop everything you're doing through the day, whatever you're doing, and just go to him? I challenge you. <laughs> I'm putting out a challenge. Yeah, it's the hardest thing to do. Because what's going around in our brain? I've got this to do. This is happening. I can't stop this. We're burdened. We're overladen. And Jesus says, just come and sit at my feet, which Mary could do, and just hear his word. And if the Lord just says, stop, come unto him. You know, sometimes the Lord does that to me like 2 o'clock in the morning. I hate it. I hate it because I know it's him. (laughs) That means I'm going to have to, what? Respond to him. Get out of bed and and have a look and do whatever the Lord wants. I don't know why he always does that, but not always, but the Lord will often challenge us that we come to him. Now Mary, she had sat still and she responded in her grief and came to the Lord and she did that. Come over to me, come over to Philippians chapter 4, 6. Now, Philippians 4, 6 is a, great, is a great verse I think you can all apply to your own life. Um, and just remember, we all go through the same thing. We go through grief, we go through trials, we go through troubles. We all go through different, there's nothing here, there's no one here that goes through something different than what I do. But notice in Philippians 4, chapter 6, he says, notice here he says, be careful for nothing, that in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. You know, Paul's saying, listen, be careful of being careful. (laughs) Be careful of being careful. What do you mean? Be careful of getting overladen with burdens, getting full. Um, What I mean by that What I mean by that is that have you ever had a situation come up and you, you know you need to do something about it but really it's not in your grasp to control it? Who knows what I mean? You get, yeah, you get, so you're now, you've got a problem that's sort of outside of actually what we can do. We get, and then we get burdened by it and God's saying, listen, don't get, don't get full of care. Don't worry about it. Don't get stressed about it. Don't get yourself into bondage about it. Don't be dragged off into, say, light. He says, be careful for nothing, but let your request be known unto God. Um, and then we'll go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll, we'll, be, we'll just stay on this one thought here. Because the whole thought here is that, the whole thought really is, it's a, it's a lesson so we can stay on the right side of the Lord. Not that we're saved, just stay on the right side of him. Okay, so Peter, 1 Peter 5, notice what Peter says. Quite interesting that Peter's writing this, if you know the story of Peter. <laughs> he says, the elders which are among you, I exhort whom who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. You know, there's something great about being saved. There's a wonderful thing of having Christian fellowship, men and women together, because it is us who help each other in the Christian walk. Can I get an amen out of that? It's the fellowship of like-minded believers. Notice he says here, the elders which are among you, I exhort, whom he was an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you. So obviously it's more to a pastor, a teacher, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. The call to preach and teach is not to take the congregation as by constraint, but rather but willingly to teach what God has given because the idea is that it's not, it's to his flock, to us as believers. 
neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being as samples to the flock. So the idea then is very important to keep in mind that when we talk of the flock of God, we're talking of the children of God, and those you and I are purchased by Jesus Christ, we're not our own, so therefore it's really important, say as even as a pastor, how I would treat you, because listen to me, you are, do not belong to me, amen? You don't. You belong to him. And we need to get that right. Because there's too much of this thing that's shifted nowadays, amen? And then the pastors and whatever make merchandise of God's people and so on, as you know. So he says, And the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, verse 5, Ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So humble yourselves. I learned a really good lesson about humbling. And of course, if you're going to sit at the feet of Christ and his word, you're going to have to learn to humble yourself. Now for me... I'm in a hurry and I would like to get from point A to point B. Amen. <laughs> so I was in Brisbane and I wanted, I was in the city some time ago and I was in that Myers and I wanted to go up. <laughs> and I was in a hurry. So I pressed the stupid thing and I went down. But I wanted to go what? Up. But the elevator was sending me down. And of course I got the lesson. Okay, Lord, I get it. God's elevator goes down before it gets up. Amen. Have a look what he says. So he says here, humble yourselves. Verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he, who? God, may exalt you in due times. So the idea is that I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God, amen. Humble yourselves under him because he is God and then you have the promise that he will exalt you in due time. That's why Jesus said, go into your closet and I'll reward thee openly. That's what he's saying. Don't don't make a fair show to men. Don't be like the Pharisees and the scribes and, and they had all the great garment on and all that stuff and saying, look how wonderful I am. And Jesus said, no, listen, just get in your closet, uh, humble yourself before me and I'll reward thee openly. Right here is the same thing. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Verse 7, verse 7. Casting all your care upon who? Him. For he careth for who? You. Hmm. Martha? Were you humbling yourself or were you being a dictator? Think about it. Mary had learned to humble herself at the feet of Jesus because she realised She needed to hear from him. Now, I think personally that church should be all about an expectation that we hear from the Lord. Can I get an amen? That's what church should be about. It should be about us hearing from the Lord. Our service might not be everything I say, but there might be just something within the service that you go, yeah, the Lord spoke to me on that particular thing. I've I've heard something from God. The old old idea with church was that church should have been expectant. And and when you start hearing from God, you will look forward to coming to church, amen, because you have an expectation. I do want to hear from him. And, and of course, the idea with with church is different than, say, your, your, your devotions, but we need to hear from him. Now, the thing here is that You'll hear, 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 so think with me. So Mary, she could humble herself regardless of the situation. She could sit at the feet of Jesus 
even though her sister was burdened and cared for a lot, even where she rebuked the Lord. There's something I like about Mary. She did not show her sister any, what's the next word, everyone? Sympathy. Showed her none. No sympathy for her problems. I'm not getting any amens out of this. No sympathy for her problems. None. Do you know why? Because Mary knew if I can humble myself and sit at the feet of Jesus, so can you. Amen? Sometimes what we do, we don't help each other because we show too much sympathy towards one another. That's not always good. You'll just keep the person on the wrong side of the Lord. The right side of God is for us to humble ourselves. We all have burdens, amen. And we are to humble under his mighty hand. We are to cast our care upon him. And here's the great challenge. The promise is that he will what, everyone? Exalt us in due time. Now, here's, here's the idea. And I have, I have really practiced this. I have really taken those verses to heart. And I have said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God because you are God. That's the first thing you've got to get in your head. I'm not God, you are. So you humble yourself and then even if that road, now listen to me, even if that road doesn't seem... It's not like you humble yourself and then he just exalts you, okay? That'd be pretty neat, amen? It'd be like going down to the lolly shop, you know, get your lolly and all of a sudden you're high again. No, no. (laughs) Humble yourself and you get on God's road and stay humble and then you will see God starting to exalt you in due time. So it's up to us to, I guess it's like you've got to, You've got to get the thinking in your mind. You've got to realise that this is the way God expects it. This is up to us to humble ourselves. It's not, I think it was Jason, it's not all this stupid Christian music. Oh, he cares for you. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, no. It's, it's, we, we, I know, it makes me laugh too. I mean, fair income, you know. No, no, the, the, the passage in the Bible is we are to humble ourselves. And once you humble yourselves, it's then when God can work. It's when we identify with him. But Martha, now listen to me, now Martha's problem was this. Martha, could she actually hear what Jesus said when he said, I am the resurrection? It didn't go in, did it? Like talking to a brick wall. Who's ever talked to a brick wall? Yeah, I'm sure Jan talks to a brick wall, you know, me. <laughs> but but it just did not it just did not penetrate her, did it? It did not help her faith. She couldn't get her eyes off her own burden, her own grief. She couldn't get her eyes on him. She just couldn't receive what Jesus said. And, and you know, truthfully, that's the biggest problem you have in the Christian life, is getting people to receive what he said. But Martha couldn't hear. She had too much noise in her head. Now, remember I started this message that the world does not know God Have you ever noticed the world loves noise? It's a wonder I still have a TV. The stinking noise drives me insane. The world loves noise. They know not God, they love noise. They love it. They don't want to hear from God. Dear God, their conscience might be pricked. 
I remember I used to work in Coles and Woolworths and they'd have that pipe music coming in all the time. Honestly, it was about enough to send me in mental and sane, but then I learned to overcome it. I thought, Lord, if I just keep my mind on the Word of God. I used to work in produce. We used to do a lot of the cutting up and, you know, and fruit and veg, that sort of stuff. And, and the last place I worked was at Coolum and the ceiling was about this high. You could almost touch the speaker. I did touch the speaker, amen? <laughs> because it's noise, right? And when you've got a lot of noise going on, you get distracted from actually hearing God. You know? And so noise is an, is an enemy, but, but Martha's biggest enemy was herself because all she could hear was her own noise. All she could hear was her own burdens. Who knows, who knows what I'm talking about? Unless we're all the same, by the way. Don't worry. I, I, I can get burdened and all I can hear is the burden. Who gets worried about finances? Yeah, well, what are you doing? How much is in the bank? <laughs> it's noise, isn't it? We, we get burdened. We, we, we hear ourselves. We, we, we almost become unbelievers because we don't really believe that Jesus can fix anything. Amen? <laughs> so noise. So she couldn't hear noise. But can I say something to you? You know, remember I said Jesus said, come unto me? I guarantee you, when you just come to him humbly, sit at his feet, guess who you can hear? God. Amen? Because you've humbled yourself and you've submitted your will to him. Now let me show you that what I'm saying is biblical, okay? I'm not making this up. <laughs> Have a look in, let's come over to John chapter 12. So this is the biblical lesson that I think if you can apply it can be a great benefit. Um, so we're going to John chapter 12. Now I'm not going to go through the whole the story of Lazarus being resurrected from the dead. We don't have time to do that. But I want to pick this up here and I want to pick this up in verse uh, chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 12 verse 1. Now, the Bible says, and Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany. Now, this is six, six days before the crucifixion that time. Came to Bethany where Lazarus, which was, had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Uh, I suppose you can't ignore the fact that poor Lazarus is going to have to die again. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he raised from the dead, he's going to have to die again. But they're all there. Verse 2, there they made him a supper. Notice the next few words. And Martha, what? Served. She's not a cumbered anymore, is she? The focus is Jesus Christ, amen? She knows why she's there. She has a peace that passeth all understanding and it just says that Martha served. Why? Because the resurrection of her brother did it. Where she got her eyes off herself and saw Jesus Christ. Amen. And there's Lazarus, who's risen from the dead. I'm sure he was. Suspect, uh, I'm sure we would love to have gone and seen that. Verse two. There they made him a supper. Oh, yeah. The next part. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Notice verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment, a spinnegar, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odour of the ointment. And then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold? Uh, for 300 pence and given to the poor. See, Mary had sat at the feet of Jesus and had heard his word. She was the only one who anointed the body 
of the Lord. Where did she get that from? When Jesus said, she has chosen that good part, shall not be taken away from her. So Mary, by listening to the word of God, didn't do her own will, but whose? God's will, amen? Pretty neat, isn't it? kind of puts a different spin on things because we generally want to hear from the Lord can I say respectfully because of our will because of my problems and we have problems amen we have burdens don't ever negate that because we do And they're true burdens, amen. Can I get an amen out of that? But however, when we cast that burden on the Lord, it's no longer ours. And then we can hear from God and hearing the voice of the Lord will always produce his will in our lives. And there is Martha who now just served because her whole Her whole perspective has changed. It's shifted from herself to Christ. And isn't that all our problem? To the Lord. And then comes in Mary and anoints the body of the Lord and there's a big fuss made by by Judas Iscariot and the disciples and they're saying, well, what is this waste? But Mary could turn around to them and say, listen here, guys, I have learnt to sit at his feet And because I heard his word, I'm the one who has the privilege of anointing the body of the Lord. And isn't it in Matthew where this gospel should be preached about her? So that's a biblical, that's a biblical lesson on how to stay right with God. You say, Brother Simon, I am right with God. Okay, so I've got three things I'm going to ask very quickly here. And this is a challenge for all of us. First one, I'm going to ask everyone here, and I do this myself. Where are you at today? <laughs> okay, <laughs> not tomorrow. <laughs> where are you at today? Where are you sitting? You know, the, the fact of the matter is that the church here is for the, preemin- the preeminence of Jesus Christ and his word. The Laodicean in church age, which we live in now, is all about human rights Church really should be about him and not listening to the world's system. So where are you at today? And you think that's a good way that sometimes we need to self-examine ourselves and say, well, Lord, where am I at? Am I I listening to the wrong voice here? Am I overburdened? Am I learning to sit at your feet or whatsoever? The next one is, what are you listening to? <laughs> and that's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> or who are you listening to? The world can't live without noise. It's funny, you know, a couple of weeks ago I was sitting here in the front, and I'll often do this. I was sitting down there, and John came up to me and said, What are you thinking? And I said to him, Nothing. Because I have learnt to think nothing. Just sit still, don't think. Just rest. Don't worry about it. And Mary and Martha couldn't hear him, but it's great when we do hear him. Don't, and don't get hard on yourselves because we all have the same burdens, okay? So don't get hard on yourself. Don't, don't think that our burdens are somewhat different to anyone else's because they're not. But the idea then is I want to stay on the right side of Jesus, really. And the last one is who do you gather with? What do you mean? Well, where am I at? Who am I listening to? Or what am I listening to? What am I getting burdened about? Or maybe what's stopping me from coming to him that purchased us? What is it? What's the, what's, what is it actually stopping me from just coming to him? And that's a fight. That's a battle. I know that. 
You'll have every excuse in the world when that one comes up, I promise you. But then the third one is, who do you gather with? Because Lazarus had been now raised from the dead and I really think it's wonderful because now they were all there. But who was the centre in that gathering? Jesus Christ, amen. Isn't it good when you gather with brethren that have Christ in the centre, amen? Amen. Isn't that, isn't that the blessing we have as believers, that he's right there banging in the centre of it? Fred said, you know, they all get together and have their birthday party. It's not too long before, uh, not too long after Alice has smashed Fred that they're talking about Jesus Christ, amen? <laughs> amen? Because the focus gets back where? Onto Christ. And, and you've got to realise that that's the battle we're in today. So who do you gather with? And gather with those that are going to put Jesus Christ there in the centre. I heard, Mike, I heard Mike preach about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and they were taken off into that heathen country and, and, uh, and, but they kept a close circle. They had a circle of fellowship and God was in the centre of that circle even though they were in a, in a heathen land, amen. Keep God in the centre of the fellowship and as long as you do that, you'll hear him and your burdens won't be nowhere near as big as the Satan or the flesh wanted to make out they were that big. And that's why you don't show sympathy because, oh, well, poor you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't show sympathy. Realise that we have Jesus Christ. We can put him at the centre. And once we start putting him at the centre, then everything starts to work. So who do we gather with? And that's really important. It's very hard to walk with someone who doesn't want to gather with him. There Martha served. She, she was now, she got in. She was part of it. So was Mary. She was there. Of course, you're always going to have a Judas Iscariot, amen. There's always going to be someone saying, well, what was this waste made for? <laughs> amen. Um, I mean, the disciples weren't far behind Judas, by the way. They weren't too happy with it either. You know, I was, I was wondering, you know, think about this, guys. I'm talking about the men for a moment. How come the Lord could speak to a woman about this, but not those idiots? Think about it. They were with him for three and a half years. Here's Mary who just chose to sit at his feet, heard from him and had the privilege of anointing the Lord's body. Amen. But not the disciples I know. And of course they were way put out because they were following him for the wrong reason. And finally, I want you to remember this. And this is a piece that I think we all can have. So in 1 John, I read before, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that we, he heareth whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we decide. You know, there's a, there's a great confidence that you all have and that confidence is to know that he heareth you. That's a confidence. Martha and Mary had sent the letter. They knew that Jesus heard them. And sometimes I think, as a devotional thought, it's enough for me just to know the Lord heard me. Because I think that's the process. I don't think it's the answer personally. And here's the thing. So God entrusted them with his silence. So when God doesn't speak, can he entrust you with his silence? And when he doesn't speak, think of Mary. She what? She... I love it. She stayed still. God could entrust her with his silence. Martha had a little way to go, amen? But eventually she got to that point where she just served. And isn't it wonderful that sometimes we need to be reminded that we have a great God, he knows what's happening in our lives Sometimes it's just a matter of us, of how we handle it and how we look at it and just trust him and I'll guarantee he'll bring you out. Let's close with our last hymn.
I believe it is Haven Arrest. We sang that last week. This is a really nice hymn. Yeah, 270, 270. <laughs> Thank Two hundred and seventy. 